Whether you're waiting for baby to arrive or in the thick of postpartum yourself, needing to feel validated in what you're experiencing, you've come to the right place. Often our only exposures to stories around the fourth trimester are either perfectly curated newborn photo sessions posted on social media or tragic headlines about mothers overcome by postpartum depression. But what about the in-between? What about the stories that aren't picture perfect for social media nor newsworthy? If we haven't met yet, my name is Jenny June Kishba, and I'm a nurse on a mission to help prepare first-time moms for the fourth trimester. So hit subscribe and listen into stories shared by moms like you each week about their own postpartum experience with just the right balance of encouragement and truth. Hi friends, welcome back to another episode. Today I am interviewing Sarah with Moonbow Sleep Consulting and she said that she would give listeners 15% off her sleep consulting packages. If you message her on Instagram, Moonbow Sleep Consulting, she will give you 15% off for being a listener of this podcast episode. I also did want to place a trigger warning as she does mention suicidal ideation in her postpartum experience. So for any of of those who that might be a sensitive topic to listen to, I did just want to give that warning before you listen in today. Um, though she does share some great recommendations for anyone struggling with that, um, I just like to put the warning out there because I know for some it's hard to listen to those stories. All right, friends, this week I have Sarah Cox with Moonbow Sleep Consulting here to share about her postpartum experience as well as her services that she has that I know you're going to need. So, Sarah, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm very, very excited. I love helping moms um, like feel normal in their postpartum experiences, so I hope I can help some of you. Oh, awesome. That is what we're all about. So I'm so glad. So Sarah, why don't you just start off by telling us about yourself, your children, your, uh, we'll kind of start from there and then love to hear more specifically about postpartum. Okay. Um, well, I'm Sarah and I, I live in Texas. I have two kids and, um, obviously a husband, like I'm married to, I have a husband and then, um, my kids are, I have an eight year old son, um, and a one year old daughter. And my eight-year-old, we recently learned that he has ADHD and anxiety. Um, and so we're, we're battling that, kind of trying to figure out everything that goes with that. And then my daughter um, got to be sleep trained by me. And so she's just, she's been a great sleeper always. She's been good. And um, we learned a lot from having the experience with my eight-year-old we learned a ton and it's it's just been two completely different experiences and it's been great well how cool i can't wait to hear about the differences that you i mean you've i mean eight years it's like you've learned you've probably changed and grown a lot right oh for sure yeah (laughs) why don't you tell us a little bit about the both of those specific postpartum experiences those early weeks of postpartum okay Uh, Um, Well, I'll start with my eight-year-old. That was an eye-opening experience for me. I, you know, I knew, always knew that I wanted to be a mom and I was very excited about it. Um, You know, I did all the research when I was pregnant. I read the Baby Wise book. I did my postpartum, like, um, or I did my uh, breastfeeding classes at the hospital. I, I like researched everything on parenting that I could find. And I still was just completely shocked 
by the changes that my life, like, like the change in my life after I had my son, I didn't realize, like, I guess I didn't realize that you're, it's not just like, you're not just bringing another person in your life. They are like completely like changing everything. And you have another person that you have to like take care of and regulate their emotions and you have to be there for them even when you're exhausted or tired or, you know, whatever. And so it was just very eye-opening for me. Um, I, we had a really, really hard time with his sleep. Um, Mm -hmm. It went really well for a couple of weeks (laughs) and then he kind of came out of that newborn fog. And after that, he did not sleep until we sleep trained him at four months. So we went almost four months without sleep. And I'm talking, it was, it was awful. (laughs) It was like, I, we, I held him even though like co-sleeping was like, and like bed sharing was not something that I was comfortable doing. It like made my anxiety worse. Um, But I didn't know what else to do. So we were bed share. Um, I, we, he got to a point where even like bed sharing wasn't working. So I would have to sleep in a recliner at night and hold him. And even then he'd wake up every one to two hours and he would only let me hold him for naps. So it's not like when he was napping, I couldn't get any rest. Like my husband went back to work after two weeks. And so it was just me and him. And I'm like the sleep deprivation took a toll, like nothing I ever experienced in my life. Like I, my mental health like hit rock bottom like and yeah. i've struggled with my mental health like i feel like since i was a teenager and so i knew what like mental health problems like depression felt like but this was like a thousand times worse um i got suicidal i got you know i didn't i regretted being like choosing to be a mother like i regretted everything and i like could not figure out the breastfeeding thing. Like I felt like I was like um, a failure doing that. Like I felt like I couldn't pump enough. Like he wanted to eat a million times a day. So I was like, maybe I'm not making enough. I um, like back eight years ago, I feel like lactation consultants and that sort of thing just weren't as available as they are now. So I didn't even know that that was an option. Mm-hmm. And um it was just, it was a struggle. It was really, really hard. And, um, at one point I remember my husband had to go to work and I just, I just looked at him and I said, I don't think I'm going to make it through the rest of the day. Cause I, I need you to stay home. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I'm going to do this. <laughs> and so he did stay home that day, but we, um, we talked and like, we like did some research and we found out this was after, <clears throat> sorry, this was after we like took my son to the doctor thinking like, okay, something's wrong with him. Like they put him on right. reflux meds. They put him on, um, they did the ultrasound to see if there was any like gastrointestinal issues. They like everything. And so finally we did some research and found out about sleep consulting. And um, I was like against any crying at all. And yeah. we talked to the consultant and finally decided to do like a Ferber style um, sleep training method. And it was like, life-changing from that point on he slept through the night in three days and we um he started napping in his crib on his own within a week and my life just like changed like overnight it felt like I became like a completely different person 
um, because I was able to sleep and get the rest that I needed, I finally was able to like see clearly. I was able to enjoy being a mother, all of that stuff. And it was just like life changing for me. We did decide, I did decide to um, switch to formula at that point. And Mm -hmm. I did regret it. And it was very hard for me at first, but it, it was, it, it helped a lot too, because I felt like basically like a milk cow. <laughs> like I felt like he was always on me and I couldn't pump enough. So like nobody else could feed him. It's so, like, it took a lot of relief off of me and it took me a little while to like come to terms with like, this is okay. He's eating. That's all that matters. Like it doesn't matter. Like, you know, you always hear breast is best. Breast is best. Well, like, you know, like sometimes like your mental health just like needs the break or you know whatever so like I, it took me a long time to like come to terms with like this is okay <laughs> you're, yes. you're doing the right thing so um I mean I do wish I had known about like some of the resources that you know you have so um but like overall like I'm happy happy with my decisions that I've made um but then we waited we were like no we are done we're not having any more kids like this was terrible like just no we're not doing this ever again we told everybody we are one and done never happening again and yeah. then um i turned 30 35 34 i was turning 34 and like 35 is like the geriatric pregnancy age oh yes and i turned 34 and i was like oh my gosh i've got like i feel like i can do this again i'm a sleep coach like i've helped so many other babies like i feel like i can do this and so I like after a year of like trying to convince my husband, like we can do this. Like, I think we can do this. And like, like just think of Thanksgiving. Like we don't want to be like, you know, what if Archer can't come to Thanksgiving? My son, like, what if he can't come to Thanksgiving? And like, we're just going to be alone. And like this whole (laughs) thing, like I was having a, like a midlife crisis. Anyways, we finally decided to try for another one. And um, thanks to PCOS, it took a little while, but, we had Maggie and my one-year-old and it's just been like the complete opposite experience for postpartum, like fourth trimester. I started like implementing healthy sleep habits, like having her sleep in her crib from like the hospital. Um, We didn't do any like formal sleep training until she was almost a, almost four months old, but we, um, like set up those healthy habits early and it was like I loved the the fourth trimester with my one-year-old so much more than with my now eight-year-old it was like I enjoyed every second of holding her like I enjoyed changing the diapers like I enjoyed every single minute I didn't feel like I was like out of control and I think being able to sleep like made the hugest difference. Absolutely. And um I mean I still struggled with breastfeeding, but um after doing some research I've learned that like if you have PCOS that can cause um like issues with um milk supply and that sort of thing. Um so I mean I did struggle with the breastfeeding still but like just I think part of it was just being able to get rest and just enjoying being able to enjoy the little human that I created instead of like just just trying to figure out what was going on and how to get her to sleep helped so much. And then 
just feeling confident and like trusting my motherly instincts um, was I think a big game changer because with my first, I didn't trust myself at all. Like I was constantly Googling or on social media trying to figure out like what was the right thing to do. And with my second, I just trusted my gut and just did what I felt was right. And that made me feel so much better about my decisions And so that's one thing I always tell like my clients and like people that I work with or people that are, you know, becoming a parent for the first time. I always tell them like, just trust your gut. Like don't scroll on social media and like listen to all these people saying you have to do it this way. There's no right way. So just trust your gut and like do what you feel is right. That's the right way. I love that. (sighs) Yeah, that is so important. I mean, I think it's hard as first time parents because we're like, I've never done this. I don't know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. So I like how you described your first postpartum experience as like kind of feeling out of control and chaotic. Mm-hmm. You brought in that piece of confidence, which is such a big difference. Um, and I think a lot of moms express that because you just doubt everything you're doing the first time around because you feel like you don't know what you're doing. So even though the second time around you're managing two children, you have this whole other expectation that like you know that everything that's happening is going to end at some point, right? It's like mm-hmm. I remember the first postpartum experience it's just like, oh my gosh, I'm never gonna sleep again. Mm-hmm. I'm always gonna diaper. I'm always gonna do this, right? And you know that second time around that that's not the case. And then you also have this confidence, like, okay, I've done this with one child, I can do it again. I know, like you, I think you just can trust, you feel like you can trust that gut more. So if we can get that word out to moms, like the first time around, trust that gut, like your gut is right. Even yeah. though even though you've never done this before, you are that child's mother and you know your baby better than anyone else. Exactly. You, you are with them every day. They trust you and you need to trust yourself. So that you can be the best mother that you can for them. Yes. So, and then like another thing that I didn't realize um, when I became a first time mom was the loss of control. Like you lose almost like you can almost lose yourself. Like you can like everything becomes consumed with that baby. And like you just kind of lose yourself. You've lost your past life. You have to kind of grieve that you can, you, you, you lose your hobbies for a little while, at least like some, some mothers can, can lose it for a, you know, a long time until their kids start, you know, kindergarten, just because like their whole life is consumed by this. And like, it's important to remember, like you are still a person and you still have like your interests and your hobbies and you still are a valued person. Like you still matter. Um, even though you do have this little person that relies on you so much, like, if you need help so that you can take some time for yourself to pursue hobbies or just go take a shower, like you need to ask because you are still a person and you still matter. Like you can definitely lose yourself so easily in motherhood. It could just become all consuming and like just take over everything. Absolutely. That's absolutely. I had that experience (laughs) after my first for sure. It's just, you pour out everything into them and you are like, just so focused on them. Plus, like I had postpartum anxiety. So I just felt like I was always hyper focused on her mm-hmm. was happening. So it was hard to think about anything else. So yeah, I think that is really good wisdom. 
Just a brief interruption to tell you this season of Hello Fourth Trimester is brought to you by my new innovative breastfeeding course, which is text message based. I worked in the hospital and know how people want to learn today. Questions I get would be from things they learned on TikTok. People are busy. They don't have time to sit through long courses. And so that's why I developed Hello Breastfeeding, which you can get at my website, hellojennyjune.com. I wanted to no, just mention two things from what you said earlier. First, can you just give a brief for those listeners who aren't familiar with the Ferber method that you okay. described? Can you just give a brief description of what that is? So yeah, the Ferber method is just um, one of many types of sleep training methods. And it's the one that's kind of in the middle of the more per- parent present techniques um, and the cry it out. So you put your baby in the room and you let them cry for a time that you choose that you know, is best for your, your baby or for your family. Um, I recommend at least 15 minutes, but I have some clients that do five minutes of crying and then you go check on them. You know, you tell them you love them. Is everything's okay. And then you'll leave them again for a little while. And it just gives them time to, um, learn how they want to fall asleep and how they want to self-soothe and how they want to fall asleep on their own. Um, so it allows them to get to gain those independent sleep skills so that they're not needing you to, you know, rock them or feed them to sleep so that when they wake up in the middle of the night, they're able to put themselves back to sleep again and again. Um, but it is just one method of sleep training. I mean, there's other ones that allow you to be in the room with them the entire time. Um, and then you kind of slowly back off the amount of support once they get the hang of it. So, um, it's not the only method. It's just one of many. Yeah. And I know it's a common one. So I, mm-hmm. just, I just clarify for listeners who are like, I've heard that word Ferber and I don't know what it means. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's like um, controlled and- crying is another, is another term. Oh. So. Okay. Controlled cry. Is that what you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then second, I just wanted to speak you mentioned the suicidal thoughts I just I thank you for sharing about that um, just because I'm sure there's a listener who has struggled with that um, as well I'm just sure that was such a scary time for you um, I mean could you share about what kind of helped you step out of that did you have a therapist or your husband or so I um, I've struggled with anxiety and depression since I was a teenager and so when I started I started like it's, I started noticing that it was happening when I would be driving, you know, like home from a doctor's appointment or something. And I would just start like having these like intrusive thoughts of like, what how would happen if I just, you know, drove off this bridge or, you know, whatever. And so like, it just like little things like that started popping in my head. And I was like, because I think I have the history with these, you know, mental health issues. I kind of recognize like, that's not a normal thought. Um, so I, fortunately, my husband also works in healthcare. And so I just kind of told him like, I'm having these feelings and I don't think that they're normal. And like, I think I need to do something. And unfortunately, you know, you go to the doctor for your postpartum checkup and they ask a question like, what's your, you know, like you fill out this little questionnaire of like, you know, on the scale of one to 10 or, you know, like all these other, like, have you have these issues. And like, I did not feel comfortable enough with my doctor to be like, yes, this is things I'm feeling. So I just checked like, yeah, they're fine. Um, and that was like the only kind of, you know, assessment that they did for my mental health. Um, and then they're just like, okay, you're good. 
So I told, yeah. I told my husband, I was like, there's something wrong. Like I know, um, that I need to do something. And so I just like kind of took initiative and I reached out to my doctor and I said, I need to make like an emergency appointment to come talk to you. Um, and so I talked to her, I told her, fortunately, like I said, I've have the history. So I said, I've been on these medications before I need to get back on them. Like as soon as possible. Um, and so fortunately I had the history of having the experience and knowing what I needed to do. And I know a lot of moms don't have that. Um, so I always tell whenever I'm working with moms that seem like they might have be having some like postpartum anxiety symptoms, I always try to tell them like, if you're having suicidal thoughts, if they live in the United States, which is most of my clients do, I always tell them like call 988. It's like a suicide hotline. They can talk to you and tell you what's normal and how to get help. Um, but just if you're feeling like something's not normal, even if it's like a little bit, you know, like just a little bit not normal, like you don't know for sure if this is normal or not, just talk to your doctor, you know, like just just say like, these are the things I'm thinking. These are the things I'm feeling like, don't feel ashamed. Like these are normal thoughts that mothers have postpartum because our bodies go through so much and our minds go through so much with childbirth and postpartum, like the hormonal shifts and everything. So like, just don't be ashamed. Just don't be hesitant to reach out to your doctor and just tell them like, what can I do? You know, just ask for help or reach out to a friend. If you, you know, somebody just don't, just don't like try to like pass it off as normal and just keep it to yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Reaching out. I mean, just telling someone is going to make such a big difference. It's just, I think there is so much shame around it, again, because you assume everyone else is doing great when they have their baby, because that's what you see on social media. So then you're like, well, then what's wrong with me? And you try to hide it. So I, I'm really glad you shared that. And thank you for sharing that um, yeah. prevention hotline as well, just because that's another good resources for moms to have. Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely hard, especially with social media. When I had my eight-year-old, social media was not as big as it is now. And I did notice the difference between my first and my second with the social media and the amount of like these accounts showing this like perfect postpartum period. And I was just like, I rem I know that if I had seen some of those videos when I was, you know, postpartum with my son, I probably would have been a lot worse off because it really does affect you. Like there's, you know, you start thinking like there's something wrong with me because I'm not doing it this way. It's hard for me. And I remember like even back then calling my sister who has, she's got two kids before I had even my first. And so I remember calling her and be like, what am I doing wrong? He cries all the time. Like, I don't understand what I'm doing. Let's, you made it look so easy. And why can't I do it, you know, the same way? And so I think just like allowing yourself to be vulnerable is huge. And just because once you open up and allow yourself to be vulnerable, your friends or your family will also open up and tell their sides of what they struggled with too. And it'll make it help you like realize like okay everybody struggles it's not just me absolutely absolutely yeah it's that is so true I'm, I'm actually reading a book right now and it was talking about vulnerability and how that's exactly what happens once you become vulnerable someone else feels safe to be vulnerable and then you have that connection from that so that's just another reason why it can be so helpful to 
connect with other moms who are at a similar stage that you are at. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, just so that you can share in that um, and know that you're not alone. So yeah, Um, with my first we had I had met some some other moms in the neighborhood who had babies like seriously like a couple weeks difference. And so we raised our babies from like six weeks until they were, everybody kind of moved on into different areas um, when they were about three. And so it was fun to see like our kids growing up together and we could like, you know, share those experiences and like, you know, we were all struggling with kind of the same things around the same times. And that was so great to have. So if you can find like a mom group or something like that, where you can, meet these other women that have babies around the same age. It was like a great experience for us. And our babies grew up together. I mean, not completely, but, um, you know, we got to, they got to like enjoy and grow in a friendship together. And so that was an awesome, awesome opportunity. I think that I had, and I think it was really special. Um, I haven't found that with my second child yet, but, um, maybe, maybe soon. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you're in a different stage. I mean, having an eight-year-old mm-hmm. and then a one it is, it's, I mean, I kind of found that to be true. My girls are 21 months apart. So with my first, I was able, you know, I found friends who also had one child. And then I found that I was, there were a couple other moms that I was friends with who started having a second, but a lot of moms didn't right away. So then I was sort of in this other boat. It's like, okay, you're, you still have your one, but I'm now juggling two, which is a whole other game. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, I mean, it is this finding people who are in a similar season to you, whether that's having one child or two or an older, you know, having an older child or a brand new baby, like it's all, all those different seasons are so different. So it can have someone who's going through that too. So, and going back to social media, my (laughs) oldest is eight, um, she's eight and a half now. And I could not agree more like social media just was not a thing. Like I do have little monthly pictures of her, but that was like, it wasn't like there were all these things that you see on social media of like people posting these beautiful videos of like your perfect nursery with the baby. (laughs) I have these like poor lighting photos and (gasps) like throw a blanket behind her to like, okay, we're good. Yeah, Um, exactly. Yeah. There's no there. I don't remember back then, like scrolling, doom scrolling on my phone and just watching like all these like perfectly curated Instagrams. So I don't remember that at all. um, Back then. No, I know some videos. I'm like, okay, how is she flowing in her hospital mesh underwear right now? Like she looks perfect. (laughs) I know it must be exhausting though. Like I can't imagine like having to keep up that lifestyle. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. Yeah. So don't be fooled by social media, friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk some practical things. Are there any products that come to mind? I mean, maybe especially as a sleep consultant or just as in your own personal experience um, that you feel like every mom should have for postpartum or really things that you stand out to as like not necessary? Well, the things that I like must have postpartum for me were obviously like a safe crib. Um, even like a pack and play with a bassinet feature. Um, but swaddles are huge for that first trimester. Um, I, I prefer like the happiest baby has a great one and they zip up. So you don't have to like figure out the muslin blanket situation in the hospital. Um, I could never figure that out. Like the nurse would come in and like wrap, wrap them up. And I'd be like, 
okay, don't touch her. <laughs> like, I don't know how to fix it. So yeah, the second time around, I did bring like an actual like zip up, like fancy swaddle because I was like, I don't really want to mess with the muslin. So definitely swaddles are like high on my list of must haves. Um, but as far as like you don't needs um, for sleep wise, I would say um, like those, those smart baby monitors, like the outlet and the, I think it's the Nanit. Um, I know that they can ease some mom's anxiety, but like it can make some mom's anxiety so much worse. Like I've heard stories of them, like the alarms going off when nothing's wrong. And like, if you already have postpartum anxiety, like that's just going to make everything more difficult for you. Um, and then I've worked with clients before who, um, their baby, as far as they know, like they did not wake up. They did not make any noise on the monitor. Like they slept. I mean, all babies wake up during the night, but they put themselves back to sleep. Um, so they would have a baby that would sleep all night long and then they'd get on the, the app and it would say like, they woke up this many times. And then they'd message me and be like, they woke up this many times. And I'm like, but did you hear them crying? Or like, did you hear them like calling out for you? And she's, they said no. And I'm like, okay, well then that's like not something, you know, like everybody wakes up in the middle of the night and turns and tosses. So like, that's just going to happen. So like, I feel like those kinds of monitors just cause more anxiety than they're worth. Um, I honestly, I don't even use the monitors with the screen. I just have a sound monitor. Um, because um, we do have one of the monitors with the screen, but we never use it. Because like, I feel like it just causes me more stress, like watching her in her crib, like waiting for her to fall asleep. Um, and so like, uh, we just use it for the sound in case she wakes up in the middle of the night and needs us or something. Um, and then the monitors, another mom earlier, a couple episodes ago said that they don't have a monitor at all. Ooh. And she, same thing. It's just like less anxiety. And I was sharing with her, like, yeah, I used to check that. Like, that was, became an OCD um, compulsion for me, like mm -hmm. checking that monitor. I'd have to check it a certain amount of times before I could relax and fall asleep. So I can only imagine then that all the other, like, I didn't have, I mean, you know, this was eight years ago. I didn't have that outlet or anything yeah. like that. Just being, I can only imagine that I would have been constantly checking the temperature, mm -hmm. the heart, like, whatever, all the things that that monitors. Yeah, yeah. I, I personally would agree that I think it would cause me more stress than. Oh, yeah, for sure. I I mean, I did like the um the screen monitor when she was really little. When we moved her, we moved her to her own room really early because she was a loud sleeper and I need my sleep. So we would we moved her to her room when she was about three weeks old. And it did help. Like I would wake up in the middle of the night and I would just like stare at the monitor and like make sure she was breathing. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So it did help. It did help with that. So like, I'd be like, okay, her, she's moving, she's breathing. We're good. But like now that she's a year old, I just, we just use it for the sound. I, it just stresses me out if I sit there and watch it while she's trying to go to sleep. I'm just like, it just causes me more anxiety. So, yeah. and then the other thing as far as sleep is like that you don't really need is the snoo. Like it's a great product. Um, and I, um, I can see how it would be useful, but, um, you don't like, it just, it becomes something that you have to wean them off of later. Um, and that's a lot more trouble than it's worth. I have a, I've had, you know, quite a few clients actually that we've had to wean their babies off the snoo and 
it's just, it's kind of difficult sometimes. Um, it does help in the newborn phase though. Um, like if you, you really need sleep and you know, you don't know how to help set those healthy foundations or like how to get them to sleep in their crib. Like it's great for that because, and if you don't have any help, you know, like if you don't have any extra support and it's just you and you need the sleep, you know, it might be useful for you then, but like, otherwise, like, it's just another like thing that you have to like help them off of so they can sleep in it when they grow out of it, you know? Right, right, right. And again, for people who aren't familiar with the snoo, mm. The snoo is a fancy bassinet, <laughs> little crib. And when your baby cries, it like starts, you know, rocking them back to sleep and soothing them back to sleep. And like I said, it's a great product, especially if you don't have any additional support. Like if you don't have any family or friends that can support you and you just need sleep. But like if you've got like a ton of support and you, you know, you can set those healthy sleep foundations early so that you won't need the, the, the device basically. Right. So. And I can see that then the baby becomes dependent on that. So it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, Sarah, I appreciate everything you have been sharing so much good wisdom. Um, I'm just wondering, what would you say any parting advice that you have? What's something that you would want to be sure a pregnant mom heard before having her baby? My biggest thing, and I always tell this to like my people on social media and my clients, is follow your instincts. That's my big thing. Like, just trust your gut. Like, it's so important in motherhood, especially like as they get older, they get to be toddlers, they get more difficult and you know, you just like, there's so much information online, especially now, like there's just like crazy amounts of information out there, too much information, too, too many different opinions. You know, you are this child's mother and you know your child best. So just trust your instincts. That's my biggest thing is like, I just want moms to, you know, just be themselves, let their babies like trust them and love them. Like, they know you love them. That's all that matters. So just trust your gut. Yeah. That's such a good one. Like we'll get home from the hospital and you'll close the door and then you'll look at your partner and be like, Oh my gosh, what do we do? Like, I, we don't know what we're doing. Why did they send us? Home? Why are they doing this? Like, every parent has that moment. So don't think like, oh, okay, you're the, you're the exception to Sarah's advice. No, it is true. You just, all of us feel that way. And really that's the best thing to do is just trust your gut. Yes. You are and my, my other, I just thought of another one, sorry, <laughs> ADHD brain, but another big piece of advice that we had to learn the hard way with my first was hold boundaries with like family and friends, like spend that first week or two just with your little family getting to know each other and set those boundaries. If you don't want people over say no, like it now is not a good time. Like don't, you know, don't, don't let people in before you're ready. Like those first few weeks, especially are so important to bond and love your baby and get to know how y'all vibe as a family now. And mm -hmm. just boundaries can be important. And I know like a lot of grandparents especially have issues with boundaries. And so just like, just, just hold your boundaries. If you have a boundary set, you know, make sure that y'all are together as a couple and you 
you know, let people know like, this is what we're doing. You can come at this time or, you know, whatever you have, have decided as a couple, because it's like, it's weird. Like once you have a baby, people think like they have this like entrance into your life whenever they want. And like, it's like this, like, this is our family. Like we need to get to know each other. Like she's not a doll that you can just like play with. So yeah. And really in setting those boundaries, you're advocating for your child. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you need that time to learn each other's cues and figure out feeding and Mm -hmm. all that. Get your sleep, get baby, baby to sleep. So yeah, I, boundaries are are definitely. Yeah. And especially like as a first time mom, if you decide that you're going to breastfeed, like that's like, that's a big thing. Like it's a huge experience that you have to learn and like learn what works for you and your baby and like you're topless a lot and like you don't always want people over so just yeah we had to learn the hard way that boundaries are important and um you know some people in our life didn't really like it at first but um I mean over the last eight years they've learned like it's it's healthy it's good so yeah well that's good it's it's important advice for sure for sure. So Sarah, can you share where listeners can find you and um, you can share a little bit about what you offer as well? Sure. Yeah. I, um, I do most of my um, marketing, I guess, like most of my stuff's on Instagram. Um, it's at Moombo Sleep Consulting on Instagram. And I post a ton of just like free content, free tips, um, advice, um, educational stuff. And then I do have free resources um, that you can find on my website. It's moonbowsleepconsulting.com. I have a guide that helps you with the transition from three naps to two naps. So it tells you kind of like when you should expect that transition, what are the signs that they're ready, um, how to know whether it's a growth spurt or ready to transition and how to transition. I also have a bedtime routine guide on there. And I just came out with a free masterclass that you can get the recording of. Um, it's Sleeping Through the Night 101. Um, and I'm very excited about that because it has like a ton of information about just kind of setting those healthy bound uh, foundations for safe sleep. Um, and then I offer one-on-one coaching. So with my one-on-one program, you get three weeks of boxer support which is like a messaging app so you get one-on-one unlimited support for three weeks and you can just you know i give you a customized sleep plan and we decide what works for your family because i am family centered i make sure that you are comfortable with it and you think it's best this is the best way for your child um and i coach you through it and i'm there for you you know, during the sleep training and then the weeks afterward to help make sure that you are successful. Oh man, Sarah, I wish I knew eight years ago, but I guess eight years ago you were <laughs> in your own party. I, yeah, I was also struggling with you. So, <laughs> well, I see. Yeah, I needed, let me just say, I needed help in the sleep department of both of my children. So, <laughs> that is not, not my specialty. So, I'm so glad to have you that I can refer to. Um, moms, you'll definitely want to go check out her page. And Sarah, just thank you so much for being here today, Um, for being so vulnerable and open and sharing your story. I just know it's going to help another mom. So thank you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. And I love sharing my story so that other moms see that it's not always easy. Absolutely. That that is true. (laughs) 
Well, thank you. And you have a great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Hey friend, thanks so much for being here this week. I hope that you are leaving this podcast with a cup a little fuller than when you started. If you found this podcast episode helpful, could you do me a favor? Could you just rate and review the podcast? Because this actually helps get more eyes on the podcast so more moms can be validated in their own postpartum experiences. Thanks so much and I'll see you back next week.